Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond the million square feet of cultivation space. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host, Thanks for joining us here for another edition of Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. So thankful to have all of you to join us, and we hope that you and your businesses are doing well. Uh, we are still recording in a point where the pandemic is still uh, existing right now, but there are certain states now, obviously, with essential work that a lot of businesses, the industry is still it might not be at 100% capacity, but it is starting to roll along, and we're starting to see some good positive and negative benefits. But here's the thing. From airlines and hotels to restaurants and bars, nearly every, every major industry has been severely hit by this COVID-19 pandemic, except for the US, U.S. cannabis industry, because now as the pandemic does open the door to opportunity, and my next guest believes that this pandemic is accelerating the industry's march towards National legalization. I've been talking about this for several weeks. We've had stories that have been coming out about it. We're going to talk about that with my guest, the CEO and co-founder and chairman of Kushko Holdings, Nick Kovacevic. Nick, thanks for coming back to uh, back to Cannabis Radio. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And just to give the heads up, saying welcome back because the fact that Nick was featured most recently on an episode of Plant Profits, hosted by Vern Davis and the folks at Protus Global. It was a great profile piece we had on Nick, and I uh, got to be uh, there to produce that. Please go ahead and make sure. I want to just make sure to point people out to go ahead and check that episode out for yourselves. But we're going to go right into the actual, the, the real optimism, the granularity of what we could really hope for. Because the cannabis industry has soared during the initial wave of the coronavirus pandemic. Now, you have said that you believe the next stage is predicted to be more difficult to navigate, especially since A, cannabis companies are not eligible for federal assistance, and B, supply disruption from everything from packaging materials to vape products is a growing issue. I want to point out to an article from Inc.com. It's an op-ed that predicted that cannabis sales will continue to be erratic. They go on to write this, Nick. Quote, changing government policy and consumer fear will continue to cause swings in sales. 
coupled with disruptions in labor force for cultivation, processing, and shipping, cannabis product inventories will be unpredictable for some time to come. Now, end quote, three dozen members at this point of the U.S. House of Representatives have signed a letter addressing to congressional leaders urging that cannabis companies be included in the next round of federal relief packages aimed at boosting the economy, so phase four. What side of the pendulum do you land on? Do you feel like the industry is able to bounce back pretty quickly once we get out of this pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, everything you said, uh, you know, it makes sense. And, and what I'm hearing from folks, right, is that there's this, you know, concern just around being able to predict the business, which I think, you know, it's certainly a challenge. But um, there's a lot of other industries facing much graver challenges, you know, industries whose revenues have basically gone to zero. Um, you know, that's certainly not the case here with cannabis, um, but it is a very dynamic landscape. Uh, and I think, you know, people are preparing to have to pivot and, and, and adapt to whatever comes down the pipe. And we've seen already, you know, regulatory changes, uh, you know, that, that have come out uh, in the afternoon and then they've been essentially uh, changed again or reversed in the morning. Right. So it's, it's literally that type of, uh, environment for for operators in this industry and uh you know to to your point um you know could this be setting up some sort of bigger change uh that could impact the industry in a very positive way and a lot of people are thinking that it just might uh, because of the traction that cannabis is gaining as an essential business because of the popularity of legalization and because of the need for tax revenue and jobs to be created both at the state and federal level uh, people are optimistic it could drive real change. And there's always certain indicators of that change. For me, I've been following the uh, the Dow Jones when it comes to just what the stock market's doing to see what the overall economy is doing for us. And the CSC composite, we're seeing that same thing where there's been a continued increase. Um, now, the question is, you feel that there's going to be that positive momentum, but do you feel like those that are going to be investing into the, into the industry, they feel that same way? Are they getting that same sentiment, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's optimistic. Uh, you know, I, I'm actually, even though I think a lot of these dynamics um, could create an opportunity, I'm all, I'm also a little pessimistic on a federal referendum in light of the current Senate. Uh, I think the Senate has blocked everything uh, cannabis-related. Uh, it's really going to come down to November, and if there's a change at the Senate, uh, I think that really clears the way for, for broad-sweeping cannabis uh, legislation at the federal level. Without that, I, I think it still will be an uphill battle. But the more angles that the industry has, the, the more pool, the more, um, you know, stakeholders that are, you know, siding with with change, uh, the better. So I think everything that's happening is, is for the most part, a positive for cannabis. Uh, but, you know, the, it is going to take some heavy lifting to kind of get over the hump here. What we've all been looking for is, is you know, change at the federal level. Cannabis is still a Schedule One drug, which is you know, listed up there with heroin and, and LSD. I mean, even cocaine is a schedule two. Uh, so it's, it's just ludicrous that that's still the case. And you, ha- you haven't even seen that change made, uh, you know, let alone uh, some sort of national legalization that would open, open up states that, that currently don't have it. So, you know, I, I want to caution people of getting too optimistic, um, but these dynamics are, are promising. We know that uh, people, the more people talking about this, the more people advocating for it, uh, the more likely, uh, you know, people will start to change their opinion, uh, the people that are in the power to make these decisions. And speaking of the power, I want to segue to that because I think the idea is that I don't want to have the federal level necessarily 
enact, you know, the actual policy of legalization. I think I'm, I'm a proponent of the States Act myself. And I think what we're seeing right now in the pandemic, where a federalist type approach of reopening the economy has been, I think it's starting to make good waves. I know there's a lot of a blowback to it, but we have to get to that point. I think we uh, there's a lot of people that probably agree with that point. So when you see the federalist level of how the states are now enacting that autonomy that the federal government is giving them, shouldn't they be relied upon then once the states act, if that's the policy to decide to go with, I think that's the best policy to go with personally. And I think that the states by this pandemic are showing they could enact it. Yeah, it's a great point. The, the states are showing uh, where their powers sort of lie, right? And there, there was a little bit of tension there. And, and it's clear that it's up to these states of when they want to roll uh, back out their, their businesses opening and everything like that and uh, how they want to do it. And obviously the, the feds are giving some guidelines. And I think, you know, the industry, uh, you know, I would agree, the industry is probably more uh, excited about the states being able to, uh, you know, create programs for themselves, but, you know, I don't think anyone would be opposed to having, you know, some sort of federal oversight. I mean, you know, the FDA, for example, uh, is somebody who can provide consistent regulations that should actually enhance businesses as consumers will feel safer about buying these products uh, once they're, once they're, they have some federal oversight. So I think there's a combination to be had there. I think that is the winning formula because it is going to be tough to convince uh, states that don't want cannabis, that, that they now need to have it. Um, but, you know, this program would create, uh, I think, a win-win. You'd have, you know, full, uh, you know, support from the federal government, so to speak, right? No fear of, of federal crackdown, none of this, um, you know, discrepancy between federal and state law. But you would also only have states that want this in their states to be allowed to have it, right? So I think that that would be the best formula. And I think that's something that Honestly, either president, uh, whoever wins in November, would likely sign. I, I don't think uh, there. I could see a scenario where, you know, a state's rights bill is is rejected once it's made it properly through the House and Senate. That's why I stress the the importance of the Senate because they've been the ones, uh, unfortunately, blocking all the legislation yeah. today. Well, and the thing is, come give the, after the break, in the next segment, we're going to go into the argument of why we feel like the, the legalization, well, at least I feel like, and I think you're feeling that locks up with me, that legalization could accelerate now as a result of the pandemic because of the economic need overall. If there's a, if, if the thought process is that the economy, in order for it to thrive and get ourselves out of a recession quickly as possible, if a new sector is brought into the fray, that's going to ultimately benefit. It's going to be an ultimate win-win for everybody involved. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the reason, Nick, I think you're best served to go and talk about this is because we look at what you're doing in business. You have a diversified business model in Cushco Holdings. You have Cush Bottles, a dynamic sales platform. You have Cush Bottles, the brand, a dynamic sales platform, which is the nation's largest, most respected, the respected distributor of packaging, supplies, and accessories. Cush Energy, which provides ultra pure hydrocarbon gases and solvents to the cannabis and CBD sector. Hybrid Creative, uh, Hybrid Creative, excuse me, a premier creative design agency for cannabis and non-cannabis ventures. And Colito Packaging Solutions the research and development arm driving intellectual property development and acquisitions. So you have a lot of different areas of the sector covered. Now, recent reports are stating that vapes, 
concentrates, and smoke flower sales have flattened or even dropped in some locations, while ingestibles, edible, and tincture sales have increased. That's what I'll ask you about now. Talk to me about how everything has played out so far in all avenues of your business model at Cushco and which sectors are doing best right now. Yeah, great question. And and just like with the regulatory uh, framework, it's it's dynamic and it's evolving, right? So they conclude, you know, the conclusions uh, people rushed to early on, and you know, now people are backtracking and, and vice versa, right? So, yeah. you know, what we had here with the pandemic is number one, we had a, a huge rush into the market from consumers, right? People wanted to stock up. They knew they were going to be stuck at home. They also thought that potentially the uh, legal outlets uh, where they intend to purchase cannabis might be forced to close, right? So it's natural that you sort of had this big run up. Um, Then you saw a big drop off, right? Which tells you people bought the stuff they needed and and didn't necessarily need to go back out. Um, And now we've seen sort of things leveling off, but we have this big, you know, uh, impending uh, recession coming here with, you know, 30 million plus people that are out of jobs. And how's that going to influence spending at the consumer level for cannabis, right? And, and people are speculating, yeah, you know, folks might be down trading to, to lower priced goods uh, versus the premium products. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see. So again, a lot happening here. But as it relates to kind of product categories, uh, you know, we certainly saw a run on everything initially. Um, and now we're seeing uh, there, there is some consumer shift away from uh, probably uh, inhalables as, as the general category, more toward ingestibles. And that's because uh, primarily because COVID is uh, a disease that attacks the lungs, right? And so people are thinking, you know, it might be smarter and safer to avoid inhaling cannabis uh, while, you know, people are sitting in the, at risk of potentially contracting COVID. So that makes sense. Um, the other interesting thing is, uh, as it relates to vape sales, uh, we've seen those be relatively flat. And I think the call out there, uh, at least from my perspective, is, uh, you know, you have a bunch of people that, uh, you know, in some areas are, are, are in very close quarters and they're being forced to lock down, uh, meaning they're all under one roof. Uh, you can't really go outside if you live in a, a, in a high, you know, uh, high rise condo. And, you know, you're likely to have family at home, um, you know, so what's that going to drive? It's going to drive people away from probably smoking joints and, and bongs and pipes, and it's going to drive them more toward vape pens. And I, yeah, so I mean, it, we think, we, you know, you know ahead, just, to, just to finish that thought, sorry, I cut out there, but, you know, the vape pen, um, they're more discreet, right? They, they, they're something that, um, you know, you could consume in your home and not necessarily make it aware to everybody that's that's cohabitating with you that you're consuming cannabis right so i think even though there's uh, been a little bit of a pullback away from inhalables within the inhalable category i think there's a shift to vape right now as you know people aren't in in the same position to be able to necessarily go outside and smoke a joint or, or use a bong that's going to kind of smoke up the whole house, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually like the way you position it because it is true. I don't think anybody wants to go ahead and just eliminate anything inhalable altogether. We've already seen that vapes, uh, ingestibles, edibles, beverages are becoming more of the market share when it comes to anything being bought in cannabis. What's funny, i got to make a point, is that the panic buying, which I know was the target term that was being put out during this, 
it's funny that it was, okay, all the disinfectants, the Lysols and the Cloroxes, then the toilet paper and cannabis was part of that category. I think that's... <laughs> <laughs> I don't get the American people when it comes to that, but it was kind of just a, a real interesting thought about, okay, what are the first things you need when you feel like everything's going apocalyptic for whatever reason? And it was kind of just, <laughs> it's the psyche of the human yeah. mind. It's really interesting. Okay. After the break. No, the, you know, the other ahead. thing that. Let me make your point. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. One more thing. I was just, I was just getting, I was just going to add, you know, uh, is that, you know, alcohol um, has, traditionally been known as a more social stimulant and people going out and socializing and drinking together whereas cannabis has, has you know because it's been illegal and because the stigma has been more of something that uh, people do in their privacy of their own home so it's interesting that you know obviously with the pandemic uh, there's probably a shift toward cannabis but even post pandemic we were talking about social distancing being in place for you know months if not years and you know do people start to shift even more from alcohol to cannabis is just you know, another interesting thing to think about. At the point right now, I know I quoted an alcohol.org study a few weeks ago on the show talking about there was an increase after the pandemic. So there's an increase on both ends. But, yeah, I'd like to see if everything turns turns around where cannabis is much more prominent as opposed to alcohol. And I can see that happening because in the same way, that same study also talked about some of the bad effects that, that it, it would be bad for you by consuming so much alcohol during this pandemic because what it would do to your immune system, what it would do uh, and the health fashion. So I can see that argument as well. This next segment, Nick, very crucial. We are going to give granular evidence to support the argument as to why legalization should be accelerated in the uh, the minds of federal government. That Listen, if you want to get a stock market, if Wall Street and the federal government in D.C., if they are looking for a great avenue to help accelerate the economy, to keep us out of any kind of a recession or a Great Depression, they should see the cannabis industry is a great, it could be a savior in, in some cases. I, I mean, that's a strong word, but I think it could be a great benefit. We're going to talk about that after this break. Stick around, folks. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Plant Profits. I'm Vern Davis, and I'd like to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. We call them the Plant Profits. Each week on Plant Profits, we talk to the people at the forefront of the industry, creating real companies and career opportunities. We'll learn from the people leading the charge into the promised land of profit. Plant Profits is powered by Protus Global, people solutions firm that has been building companies, changing lives since 1995. 
P-R-O-T-I-S global.com. Protis Global. Find Plant Profits now at CannabisRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you like yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm here with Nick Kovacevic, the CEO, co-founder and chairman of Kushko Holdings here on Blunt Business. So, Nick, for a few weeks now, I saw a story that came out from Yahoo Finance. And I'll tell you, data track researchers Jessica Rabe was one of the first people to call this out. I love the fact that she brought this up because it was one of the first things I was thinking about. And I was wait, I wanted to see if somebody was going to come out and actually publicly say something. So I'm going to offer some anecdotal evidence to the idea that we talked about before the break about why the cannabis industry should be legalized now so that that economic push goes into the economy and will allow the economy to go ahead and bring itself back up and we can have not just the bear market we're getting right now uh, uh, that we're seeing at at the moment, uh, to be the bull market, because we're seeing the economy coming back up, but to get a real influx of, you know, economic stimulus the cannabis industry being legalized would create that uh, a significant effect. Here's what Jessica said, quote, there's a simple and effective solution for states and cities to help cover their huge budget shortfalls after the pandemic subsides, legal recreational sales of marijuana. She said, went on to say, quote, legalization of cannabis for adults could easily be a way to shore up tax basis without driving people out of state as raising income tax might already do. It already has been successful raising hundreds of millions of dollars annually in states like Colorado. As we know, the current status of facts is 11 states are legalized with adult use. 15 have decriminalized in one way or another. How would you further debate, Nick, on why legalization is a win-win for government, small business, and the stock market? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty clear. I mean, just look at, just look at the data and, and, you know, you cited some, but I mean, really the, the jobs numbers, right? Cannabis is creating a ton of jobs. Uh, one thing that people often don't think about is uh, dollar for dollar, the cannabis is creating more positive U.S. Uh, impact than any other industry, uh, you know, arguably uh, in, in the country, right? And the reason why is because take any other industry, you know, whether it's uh, food, whether it's alcohol, um, you know, virtually every industry is going to be utilizing goods from foreign countries, right? It's a global world. And cannabis is unique in the sense that every single uh, gram of cannabis sold is produced in the U.S. and specifically it's produced in the state in, in which it's legal, right? So you have this huge benefit of you've got a higher local employees, right? Everybody that works in a dispensary or any cannabis company has to be a state resident of that state. You also have to have all your goods made there and 
when you think of the retail sales, I mean, most industries are paying, you know, anywhere from, you know, zero tax up to 8%. Uh, well, in cannabis, the average tax is in the 20s, right? So you're paying a, a much higher tax than, than the majority of the industries out there. So think of all that benefit. You've got jobs. You've got jobs going to U.S. Uh, citizens. You've got economic activity happening in our country, and you've got taxes being generated for our government. And, you know, you just amplify that when you think about a national uh, legalization and, and rolling this out to every state. I mean, Colorado alone has collected over a billion dollars in taxes from cannabis. California's collected over a billion dollars in taxes from cannabis. And, and arguably, those programs are, are still ramping. Um, so we're not even at the peak yet. And talk about uh, destigmatization. As soon as this uh, plant becomes uh, on par with something like alcohol, which is, uh, as you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, a lot worse for, for people to consume uh, on a consistent basis, you know, think about uh, the sales numbers at that point, right? So there's a lot, there's a huge upside to, to anything that we're we're talking about here. But you know, it starts with the numbers, and and the numbers show that that this is actually creating a ton of economic value in multiple different ways. And in a time where that's needed uh, on all fronts, you know, jobs, tax revenue, uh, you know, pe- people need stuff to do, right? <laughs> they're they're, yeah. they're going to be dealing on the medical front, you know, dealing with a bunch of ailments, including, you know, depression and, and mental health issues. This plant could could do a lot uh, to help all that. And people are taking notice, which which is a good thing. And the next step would be, you know, if enough people take notice, hopefully the elected officials uh, will do what the people want. Uh, and right now we're seeing uh, recent polls that 90 plus percent of people in the U.S. want cannabis to le- be legalized for medicinal or adult use purposes. That, that's a pretty high number. So California, even though Governor Newsom would love to go and see more tax money coming in, and might have certain other ramifications that are not getting the kind of tax money wants. It is working for Colorado, and it's working for other states. There's been a significant benefit. Florida has also seen the benefit as well, where I'm at. And with that said, you could just see, you know, you're obviously it's a new job sector. There's just there's new employment that's available out there. If certain job sectors go by the wayside, if it's in the manufacturing or in other ends. If you need to find some jobs, there there are, there is significantly new jobs that will be added also with legalization because there'll be more money being injected, more more capital be brought in, and obviously if companies are following to go are able to go ahead and get much like the CSE, if they're able to get, get themselves publicly traded, the kind of influx of cash and capital coming in will help out, and that's going to be a pretty immediate effect, I would imagine, once that all happens, because I think. Right now, we already yeah. know. I ha- we had an interview not too long ago on our Green Peak program where Steve D'Angelo joined us. And he really believes, like, he's already been talking to folks in the Silicon Valley area. And he said, you know, listen, people are just waiting for the legalization to happen. They're just waiting for the trigger, the green light to be switched on by the federal government. Once they allow it, whether it's state sec or whether it's a national effort, there will be immediate economic effect that will happen overnight, I would imagine. Now, one th- here's one uh, issue that is a problem right now, and I think Vox.com did a great job of reporting this because I don't think anybody's bringing this up. But I looked at this and I'm like, you know, the pandemic, though it might offer positives on an economic front to accelerate the legalization debate, the problem now is at the start of 2020, quote, more than a dozen states seem very likely to legalize marijuana for recreational or medical purposes by the end of the year. Now that the pandemic has overwhelmed just about every aspect of American life, only a handful of states will be unable to enact marijuana reform. Uh, 
Now, the legalization is hit on two fronts. First, at a time of social distancing, advocates in some states just can't gather the signatures they need to get the issues on the ballot. Second, state lawmakers who might have passed legalization before quickly shifted to other priorities once the crisis began. Now, efforts, uh, this is the latest news, now efforts to get adult use legalization on the ballot in Arkansas, Montana, Missouri, North Dakota, and Oklahoma have stalled out as have medical legalization efforts in Idaho and Nebraska. So that could change if the outbreak recedes faster than expected or if courts let organizers collect signatures online, but things don't look good right now. Quote, end quote. Do you think this new hurdle amplifies the discussion? When you look at that, it just furs the argument we're giving, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I agree. And I think, uh, you know, the the big thing here is, um, you know, is going to be access, right, to to signatures, to, to voting, right? Um, and I think if you can tear down that uh, that barrier, which, I mean, you know, it, it is the 21st century. I mean, I think uh, I think we should figure out a, a better way for people to be able to, um, you know, make their voices heard uh, versus you know going and waiting in line six feet apart at a at a poll uh, polling booth, right? Yeah. Um, so you know that's that's long overdue, uh, in my opinion, just in general. Uh, so I think uh, this could, you know, this could be the year that, that things start to change and, and they start to give in in terms of, you know, what they're able to do with, um, you know, signature collecting, with, with voting, uh, especially in November. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. I just think that from um, a social... You know, the other, the oh, other thing, uh, the other thing to add, sorry, sorry, the other thing to add to that, uh, you know, everything you said there was, uh, you know, although there are challenges, you know, some states are going to are going to still be able to get it done. Yeah. Uh, and, and states are also, you know, what we're seeing on the states that have legalized is they're quick to amend uh, some of the uh, regulations, uh, you know, even though it's not uh, necessarily um, something that, uh, you know, would have been able to be done as quickly in the past. So what I mean by that is states that didn't allow delivery all of a sudden, you know, through executive order, okay, cannabis companies can now deliver, right? Before uh, COVID, you know, how long would it have taken for that, something like that to get passed in a state that's already legalized, right? It could have taken, well, in Colorado's case, you know, it took since 2014. They finally got delivery legalized uh, this uh, last year because of the new governor. So we're all, in, in one sense, we're seeing kind of workarounds being created and, and things are actually accelerated uh, because it's it's an unprecedented time and, and people are thinking, hey, maybe we don't have to follow uh, the rules exactly the way they were before because, you know, things are different and we need to make exceptions and adjustments. So ho- hopeful that that uh, can can counteract what you what you said there. And, and then the other thing I wanted to, to highlight was you mentioned about the capital markets. And I think, you know, for people that oh, haven't been following cannabis stocks, uh, you know, the U.S. Uh, operating companies do have to list in Canada on the CSE, which is very challenging. Um, but the Canadian companies were able to list on NYSE and NASDAQ. You know, the U.S. has the greatest capital markets in the world. And what we saw when these cannabis companies, now keep in mind, they're only operating in Canada. So it's a very small market, smaller than the state of California. Mm-hmm. And these companies went on NASDAQ and NYSE, and they had overwhelming demand uh, from institutional investors and retail investors. In fact, you know, stocks like Tilray, you know, soared to $20 billion in market cap 
very quickly, right? And so that just shows you the pent-up demand uh, for cannabis. And think about if now you could get companies that actually operate in the U.S. that have a huge, gigantic marketplace that they're taking advantage of. They can now get on the NYSE and NASDAQ. Watch out, right? You're going to see a ton of activity around that. And that's going to benefit, uh, you know, in, in a lot of different ways, everything we've been discussing. People have to see uh, that, that, you know, that's going to be something that can really drive us out of this uh, out of this haze caused by uh, by the pandemic. So we're going to come back with some final questions here with Nick Kovacevic, CEO, co-founder and chairman of Kushko Holdings here on Blunt Business. I want to come back and talk about what some other experts within the cannabis industry have been talking to the financial sector about what they could see. Uh, about some much-needed economic relief to the America post-pandemic. Before we go to break, I want to just make mention that our USCC, United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, will be a virtual show coming up June 29th and 30th. I recommend all of you. All i got to tell you is if you're looking to get yourself marketed out there, be noticed by the industry, converge, network with some of the best, best and brightest in the cannabis industry, by all means, we will work on, uh, I don't know how things are going to happen with our brick-and-mortar event coming up in August. Uh, it, right now, it's still in the air, but the moment we have our event called Borderless, which will be June 29th and June 30th. Look for it at usccexpo.com. That's where everything's happening. Find out all the information you need at usccexpo.com. You can register there if you want to sponsor, be an exhibitor. Go ahead and find all the information right there and join us June 29th and 30th. We hope to see you there. We'll be back with more questions with Nick Kovacevic after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. The The Green Green Peak Peak with Richard Zwicky. It's time to Hemp Present. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident Hempo sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Back with final questions with Nick Kovacevic, CEO, co-founder, and chairman of Kushko Holdings here on Blunt Business. Last questions for you, Nick. 
Benzinga has chimed in on how marijuana legalization could provide much needed economic relief to America post-pandemic. So a few people want to go and quote from on this article. Quote, when we all, this is from uh, Charlie Bactel, CEO of Cresco Labs. He talked to CNBC and said this, quote, when we all start to be able to lift our heads from this COVID experience, we're going to be faced with a scenario where a lot of jobs have gone away. A lot of economic development impact has disappeared. How are we going to bring that back? I think cannabis has to be part of that discussion, end quote. And back to another's view, it the proof is already out there. Every state outside Massachusetts has deemed adult-use cannabis businesses as essential during the pandemic, which has been a great boost to this industry. Many state governments have loosened laws around curbside pickup and dispensary delivery in both medical and recreational markets. Americans' marijuana use hit an all-time high during this pandemic. At the current value of the American cannabis market, it's $56 billion. And the that's according to Cowan Estimates. The only problem in 2020, the black market at the moment captures about 90% of those sales, and they all go untaxed. Now, uh, the executive chairman of Cure Relief, Boris Jordan, he told CNBC, quote, one of the programs by the federal government right after the Great Depression was to focus on tax revenue generation. They lifted prohibition on alcohol and therefore started to tax it. And it became a major revenue generator for both the federal and local governments around the country. What a great point to be said there. It, uh, you know, I didn't even think about that, but the prohibition of alcohol happened as a result of the Great Depression. So in terms of economic stimulation, Nick, cannabis, I think, could become a saving grace to the country. And would you also think, what do you think about that and how you think this would probably ultimately destroy the negative stigma that the industry gets for good? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I, I love what you're saying. I'm all about it. Uh, I'm a little uh, less optimistic um, because, you know, for a couple of reasons, like, does it make sense? Absolutely. Is this something that, that would help, you know, tr turn this around? Is this, you know, if it were to legalize, would it destigmatize further? Yes, absolutely. But we, there's some significant headwinds that uh, the industry is continuing to face. You know, number one, the current folks in the Senate, as I've mentioned here several times, you know, are not big fans of cannabis. And so no matter how many uh, people uh, are banging the drum that, that we should legalize and we should, uh, you know, create jobs using this, you know, they're going to go back to, to the, the stuff that they, you know, their constituents, they believe uh, support, you know, they're going to want to create more jobs for the coal industry uh, than turn to something like this. That's more progressive. So I'm just, a little more pessimistic until we have the right people in office um, that will actually see that change uh, get driven through. Although we can all agree and based on the facts uh, and what we're seeing here, that it, it, it is something that would be beneficial across the board. So uh, I think, you know, we've got to separate there that, that the idea of what makes sense and what can get done with, you know, what is actually likely to get done given the people that we have in office that are in control and uh, of making these decisions. So, you know, November is going to be big and we're going to see a big shake up there, you know, potentially at the Senate I'm hearing um, it's very likely that it will get flipped. Um, you know, the house who knows, uh, you know, probably going to stay democratic controlled. And then, you know, the president is anyone's guest. So a lot is going to happen here in November. I think that's going to be the key. Um, but everything that you said that the, the thesis behind it, yeah, it all it all makes perfect sense to, to any rational thinker, um, and and I'm certainly aligned. And now, in terms of the stigma, you know, we've also got uh, some headwinds there with other industries. You know, alcohol, for example, has 
you know, it's a huge market. Um, you know, it's a, it's a couple hundred billion, right? And we're talking about uh, they've got a vested interest in making people think that it's perfectly safe and okay to grab a cocktail with a friend at 5 p.m. And, you know, changing a stigma to say, hey, maybe you don't need a cocktail, maybe some cannabis would, would su- suffice. That's negative for their business. So they're not going to be too happy about the destigmatization of cannabis. Um, neither is big pharma, right? They've got vested interest now with drugs like Epidiolex and making this something that is regulated by the FDA and has to go through the traditional pharmaceutical process. So these are gigantic industries that aren't going to, to help. And quite frankly, they're going to do the opposite. They're going to continue to work to minimize cannabis and, and to stigmatize cannabis. So we've got a lot of challenges in front of us. There's, you know, luckily the people are behind this. The numbers are showing that. And I think that's where you have to start. But don't kid yourself. It is a very long uphill battle to get from what the people actually want to getting our elected officials and getting the mainstream media to deliver on what those people want. And hopefully we see it happen here in an accelerated fashion because of COVID. Um, but I want to caution the optimism uh, just because, you know, we've seen this before and it typically takes a little bit longer. Agreed. Uh, but I'll tell you what, uh, not only that, I wouldn't, uh, I think some people might just instead uh, of an alcoholic beverage, they might just want a cannabis infused beverage, something with a little THC in it could be the option they'd go for as well. They still need a little liquid uh, stimulation yeah. as well. You never know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, it, you know, it, it's no surprise that, you know, it actually just, uh, last week, uh, Constellation, uh, who's you know arguably the largest alcohol player in the country, yeah. uh, just uh, invested more, you know, another 250 million into canopy growth, right? So wow. it's not that people aren't aware. Uh, even the alcohol industry is aware that cannabis is real and it's something they should get behind, and they're putting their money where their mouth is. Um, but that doesn't mean they're not going to fight to protect what they've already got. I mean, they've got a pretty sweet deal when it comes to the broad acceptance and use of, of alcohol, even considering the negative health effects that it has, and not to mention, um, you know, the, the destigmatization and, and the fact that everybody's been led to, to basically be brainwashed into thinking that drinking alcohol daily socially is, is you know, normal and, you know, somewhat good for you, right? It, the opposite's actually true. So they've got a good thing to protect and, and they're not going to go easy, but it is uh, enlightening to see them recognizing cannabis for what it is and, and putting that money up behind canopy. It's, it's great. It's, uh, it's just validation for what we all have been saying. So Nick, I really appreciate this conversation. I really love this conversation. I, I want this to continue. I want this to spread, uh, not like a virus, but I want I want this conversation to spread out <laughs> there and really get some more attention. Cause I think, Support should be, always we said, support's high for this. I think we've laid out a very comprehensive argument here, and I hope more people will talk about it. I think this is a discussion that really helps out. I'm telling you, December 5th, 1933, that was the day alcohol was prohibited. I want to hear about another December 5th, 1933-like day for the cannabis industry to have its reckoning and say, okay, here we go, watershed moment. I want that watershed moment that says, okay, because of the pandemic, another thing creates a new optimism and a new renaissance for a product that we know is beneficial and works. And obviously, we see all the impact right now within the industry. There's others that are seeing that, but we're waiting for the green light. We're waiting for that switch to be turned on. And then 
you know, sky's the limit. And we could see what kind of silver lining could come from that. That hopefully is a, a silver lining that the cannabis industry could look forward to. So I want to point people out to well, your website at uh, Kushko Holdings, com, And please direct us to any other sites or any other social media. Where else should we uh, go to to go and learn more about Kushko Holdings and all the things that you're working on? Well, uh, Kushko.com, as you mentioned, you know, we're publicly traded under the symbol KSHB. So there's a lot of information on our IR website, IR.Kushko.com. And then, you know, if people want to follow me, I'm on Twitter at Nick Kovacevic. Uh, so that's N-I-C-K-K-O-V-A-C-E-V-I-C-H. Um, also, uh, I'm a writer for Forbes, so I've been posting stuff online and uh, reposting it on my LinkedIn. So uh, a lot of content, hopefully, um, stuff that's that's relative and valuable for folks out there. appreciate you having me on this show and, and being able to, to kind of talk about these really pressing uh issues that i think you know we should have a i, I concur with you i think we should have a constant dialogue because now is the time things are changing things are you know potential potentially available that that weren't there before so uh no better time to kind of stay in tune and and i appreciate the work you guys are doing and making sure that that there's content out there for people to dial into and i'm happy to support it Thank you, Nick. I really appreciate you making time. And thanks for saying that. I really, uh, we put a lot of work into what we're doing here. And this conversation is one of those where it, this is the kind of stuff I live for. I want, I just think to give that proper support, to get this industry off the ground and to break past the firewall that is the federal government that will break open everything here and give us the opportunity to really open this economy up they have to see the writing of the wall. This opportunity is in front of them right now. Here is their chance, and I hope they'll take advantage of it. Hopefully this conversation stirs up many other conversations. We can see that happen someday. Again, Nick Kovacevic has been my guest, CEO, co-founder, chairman of Kushko Holdings. Nick, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Take care. Hey, my pleasure. And thank you, folks, for listening into the program. Again, you find the show at CannabisRadio.com. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you find your podcast, we are there. And thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.